Hello and welcome to the 17th episode of Interabing Podcast, produced by Interabing Books in Dallas, Texas. On this week's episode, we speak with writer and comedian Jod Hodgman about his memoir, Vacation Land. I was just telling stories about my real life as a real human being uh, named John Hodgman, a white male monster with bad facial hair, approaching middle age with two children and a wife uh, living part-time in rural New England. You'll also hear about the exciting events we'll have in the store in the coming weeks. Remember, you can support the store 24-7 by shopping on our website, interrobingbooks.com. There you'll also find new releases, articles, and book recommendations. John Hodgman is a humorist and self-described minor television celebrity, perhaps best known for his appearances on The Daily Show and as the PC in the Mac vs. PC commercials for Apple. As a writer, Hodgman published three satirical almanacs, The Areas of My Expertise, More Information Than You Require, and That Is All. The paperback edition of his new memoir, Vacation Land, was published in May of 2018. Here's my conversation with John Hodgman, recorded last month on Skype. John Hodgman, welcome to Interrobing Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. So John, many of us will recognize you from The Daily Show and from your appearances in television and movies, but it's been kind of an interesting journey for you from the beginning of your career to writing Vacation Land. Can you tell us about that journey? I, uh, as you mentioned, uh, I am a famous minor television and film personality. I was the star of Pitch Perfect 2, one of the big movies of 2015. I worked on The Daily Show for a long time, and I started doing The Daily Show because I had been writing humor much more than performing it. And I wrote three books of fake facts uh, and invented trivia called The Areas of Expertise, More Information Than You Require, and That Is All. And these were sort of books of absurdist humor, uh, kind of in a Monty Python-like vein, uh, in which I would mangle American history into this sort of alternate uh, history of of weirdness. So in my uh, books of amazing true trivia and historical facts rather than list the nine U.S. presidents who were addicted to cigars or whatever. I would list the nine U.S. presidents who secretly had hooks for hands and the FDR had a hook for a hand, but no one knew it because the hook was shaped like a wheelchair. That kind of absurdist joking that I that got me a job on The Daily Show doing exactly that kind of thing, playing a version of John Hodgman, who is usually a, a, a snobby, nerdy, weirdo, Yale-educated, know-it-all, speaking nonsense. Now, that John Hodgman wasn't too far from the real John Hodgman, but it wasn't the real John Hodgman. And back a couple of years ago, when I finished writing those books, I began to realize that the jokes that I was telling on stage and, and in my work and on my podcast, John, the Judge John Hodgman podcast, I really wasn't making those kinds of absurdist, weird, surreal jokes anymore. I was just more and more just telling stories about my real life as a real human being uh, named John Hodgman, a white male monster with bad facial hair, approaching middle aged with two children and a wife uh, living mostly in New York, but part time in rural New England. And those stories became the shows that I was touring around the country with my imitation of stand up comedy shows. And so when I when I started thinking about how I wanted to, to keep those stories, I decided to go back to writing a book. And I wrote this book, Vacation Land, which, uh, you know, is very purposely subtitled as true stories 
from Painful Beaches, the true part being I'm not making it up anymore, and Painful Beaches making reference to the rather cruel joke of the title, Vacation Land is a nickname for the state of Maine. Uh, why anyone would go to va- on vacation there, uh, even though I now own property there, still remains something of a mystery because the water in Maine is made of hate and wants to kill you with its intense coldness, and the beaches themselves are made of rocks and shells that feel like knives. So uh, a lot of the book is about my being dragged there by my wife, who loves Maine more than any other place or person on earth, and coming to terms with this rather geographically, and I might even say demographically, initially unwelcoming place and finding the rugged and painful beauty in it and growing up. So I think for many of us living outside of New England, we have this binary understanding of New England. So like Boston is this super liberal kind of goodwill hunting type of place with a lot of intellectuals and tough guys. And then outside of Boston, it's just like this even from type of desolation, very cold, very sad, dark, snowy place. How would you describe New England and its people and politics? You're not wrong. Well, the only place that that you're slightly wrong, if I may say, is that while our New England states are pretty reliably blue, and there is a long tradition of liberalism and progressivism in, in the Boston area in particular, as I say, you know, cities are dense and full of, uh, college kids and snobs, uh, who tend to have, uh, left-leaning positions. But you get outside of those cities and there, there are a lot of people who feel very differently. And, you know, this book, uh, Vacation Land by John Hodgman that we're talking about, I being John Hodgman, deals a lot with my experiences being dragged to the state of Maine by my wife who loves Maine more than any other place or person on earth. And the state of Maine, you know, elected uh, Paul LePage to be governor twice. And Paul LePage is basically the warm-up band for Donald Trump. Like, he was doing that kind of working man, specifically working man, racially tinged populism uh, long before Donald Trump did. And I would say maybe even more authentically than Donald Trump is doing it now. So there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, uh, cultural and political diversity of thought in in the region. And it, you know, while my book is a lot about my citified, asthmatic, only child, Doctor Who-loving weirdos misadventure, misadventures in various rural communities where I did not belong, specifically Western Massachusetts and Maine. The, the reality is that um, it's not purely a book of regional humor. It is universal in the sense that rural communities tend to be more conservative and uh, city communities tend to be more liberal. So since Interrobing is a bookstore in Dallas, Texas, many of our listeners to the podcast are also understandably Texan. How would you describe New England to a Texan? I've not been to Dallas. I've traveled a fair amount through Texas and the Midwest, and there is a a distinct cultural difference. In big places like Texas, they are defined by people's geographical distance from one another. And the way they made communities was to go to each other and have fairs and suppers and other ways of keeping connection amidst the distance. Whereas in New England, we were, while there was a lot of farming and rural life in New England, once you get outside of any city, you're going to start hearing country music. It nonetheless is much, much more condensed uh, geographically. And people were much, much closer to each other, and therefore they wanted nothing to do with each other. And during a winter, 
And I think I remember reading this in one of the works progress guides to uh, the states, um, the Massachusetts specifically, but like the whole concept that we have about Yankee ingenuity happened because, uh, you know, just the, the sort of makeshift fixing of things on your own and the, and the manufacture of, you know, home manufacture of like quilts and, uh, and clothing and that sort of thing was all because during the winter, no one wanted to talk to each other or ask anybody for help. So they all just figured it out on their own. And there's still an element of, of that. Why are you, why are you talking to me element goes throughout new England. I, I don't want to be over overly general here because there are many, many exceptions to every rule, but um, there is that kind of flinty, like prove yourselfness throughout a lot of new England. And then in Boston, it just is outright hostility. <laughs> That's how, that, you know, yelling at people is how Bostonians express affection for each other. So, John, I'm fascinated with the process of writing a comedy book or any sort of comedy without the express purpose of performing it. So how do you write a book like Vacation Land that is very, very funny? How do you write that book without a test audience or without the ability to put together these these ideas of what's funny or what isn't funny without an audience in front of you? And what was the process for writing Vacation Land? Right. Well, I mean, you know, I started, I started as a comedically as a writer. I was never, I never started as a stand-up, and in fact, I started as a writer non-comedically. I mean, I started out writing service journalism for magazines, and then doing some humor writing for McSweeney's on the side, and then developed these books that were very, they were written alone in a room, and then went on to the Daily Show. And when I went on the Daily Show, there was an expectation that I would have a stand-up act, which I had never really had before. And I worked in, I, you know, I adapted my books into some kind of performance, but Vacation Land was really the first piece of work, of writing work, that I never initially wrote down. I started telling these stories on stage, specifically so that I could go out in the world and make money telling stories, something I really in, had grown to enjoy doing. The stories that came out, they were originally developed in a sort of a workshop residency format at Union Hall in Brooklyn and a performance space there. I did a once a week show where I just had to come up with something to say every week. And what came out were a lot of these stories that ended up in, in vacation land. And I had never understood the process of crafting the standup as it was described to me by actual standup comedians. I always thought you had to write something, edit it, make sure it was really funny, get up and perform it. But indeed, there is a kind of collaboration that goes on when you're speaking extemporaneously in front of an audience and you find, you know, you, you go into a kind of creative flow state by necessity because you're up there just trying to get words out to describe what's happening. And it's an extremely uh, clarifying process. You know, E.B. White, a part-time resident of the state of Maine, wrote a lot about removing unnecessary words when you're writing and uh, when you're doing, when you're talking in front of a crowd off the top of your head or off of just a few notes or the germ of an idea, that's not a problem because all of a sudden there's this refining fire of you just have to say what's on your mind in the plainest way possible and get to the joke if there is one or find a joke if there isn't one. So that was a very new experience for me. And indeed, I developed two, I would say, 90-minute shows based on the stories that I had developed in that basement performance space slash fire trap at Union Hall. And while I had, you know, notes to remind myself, 
and recordings of the shows that I might listen to, but very rarely to kind of get back to. I had never really written it down in prose until I got the contract to write Vacation Land. And then sitting down, I thought my initial thought would be to that I would just transcribe the shows and then come up with a whole bunch of other stuff to put in there. But in fact, what I discovered was my brain had been changed by the stand-up storytelling process. And whereas writing had been a very tortured, maybe I'll try this, maybe I'll try something else process when I was working on the original three books. Now I've, I found that I could just write as, I, as if I were speaking to an audience. And because time wasn't an issue, I could really expand. And so the stories, the, the stories are the same, but I just had more time to fill in details and to find other things to say, and also to find other things to say that didn't necessarily produce a laugh, but maybe a moment of insight or other kinds of enjoyment, ideally. Now I'm facing another contract to write another book that will be in the, in the same style and vein as Vacation Land. It's more true stories. This is from more of my work life as a famous minor television personality and a fly on the wall to fame. And it'll be interesting because I don't have time to develop these as, as spoken stories yet, in order to fulfill my contract, I'm going to have to sit down and write. But I do think that I've, ever, I've been forever changed by the process of just having to tell a story to another human and communicating clearly in that way. In a way, it got me to a, a very sort of E.B. White place of avoiding fanciness, avoiding filigree, and getting to the emotional core of what you're trying to say. And that's what you have to do in comedy or else people won't respond. And I think that it was a really enjoyable experience to translate that to prose. Well, John, it's been a pleasure having you on Interrobing Podcast. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. I can't wait to visit your bookstore in lovely Dallas, Texas. Come visit us in New England when you can. You can find Vacation Land here in the store or online at interrobingbooks.com. Next, here are some of the great events happening in the store in the coming weeks. On Tuesday, July 10th at 7 p.m., mystery writer Kimberly Bell will be at Interrobing with the thriller Three Days Missing. The following evening, Wednesday, July 11th, best-selling author Emily Giffen will be at Interrobing with her new book, All We Ever Wanted. You can visit our website for ticket and event information. On Saturday, July 14th, please join us all day in the store for Interrobing Books' first birthday party, celebrating one year serving the Dallas-Fort Worth community. And award-winning author Megan Abbott will read from and discuss Give Me Your Hand at Interrobing on Thursday, July 19th at 7 p.m. You can find out about these and all of our other events on our website, www.interrobingbooks.com. That's it for the 17th episode of Interrobing Podcast. 
There's always something new at Interrapain, so follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to keep up with the store. The podcast is produced by Interrapain Books in Dallas, Texas. Our music was composed by Carlos Guajardo. I'm Jack Freeman. We hope to see you in the store soon. Have a great week and read fearlessly. Fearlessly.